This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Advantages Digital Learning Solutions, where learning is reimagined. And welcome back to Learning Reimagined. I'm Allison Dampier, and with me is Sandy. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Hi, Allison. I'm great. We are really excited today. We have welcomed back our teacher panel. So with us again, we have Miss Lynn Locke, Mr. Joel Pachotto, and Miss Amanda Petro. Hi, gang. How is everybody? Hey, everyone. Good to see you. We are now in the middle of summer, so I hope you guys are all having a nice break, resting up a little bit and recovering from what was probably the craziest year ever recorded in education. <laughs> um, we just want, we want to welcome you back and have um, just a conversation about education itself and what has inspired you all to be educators. And I don't want it to be too heavy as we're all on summer break, um, but I, I just want to hear just from everybody a little bit, um, get to know you and just see how how did you get into education? Is it something that you always knew as a child that you wanted to be a teacher? Why don't we go ahead and start with you, Lynn? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I um, when I was a kid, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, and there was a huge restaurant there that we went to and it had a huge uh, dinosaur statue outside. And so I always wanted to be a dinosaur. And my parents said, you'll be the best dinosaur. And then a kindergarten teacher, she said, you'll be great. And then my first grade teacher said, oh, you'll be such a good dinosaur. And then my second grade teacher said, there's no such thing as dinosaurs. So at that point, I switched from I'm going to be a dinosaur to I'm going to be a teacher so that I never ruin someone's dreams like that again. And I never wavered. I always wanted to be a teacher. That is hilarious. I mean, sad, but hilarious. Me. <laughs> yeah. You would have been a really good dinosaur, Lynn. I'm, I'm quite confident. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so from second grade on, you knew. Absolutely. What about you, Joel? First of all, before I answer that, I, I'd just like to confirm with Lynn, did you find out after you became a, a teacher that dinosaurs real, really were real, though? And I think all kids' dreams are real. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Good. Yes. That way you can impress that on your students and say, anybody who wants to be a dinosaur, you're a dinosaur, baby. It's yours. Sure. That's, that's you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that is um, you know, I've never heard that story. I know. Me neither. I, uh, I became uh, an educator, like many people, because my, my parents were. So, so I come oh. from a third generation um, that we know of, um, of educators. My grandma was a teacher's assistant for many years. Um, and then my mom uh, always just knew that she was going to be a teacher. And so as a single mother, she uh, raised three kids um, while going back and forth to school. Uh, we lived in a small town um, outside of her school, so she had to drive an entire hour one way for school and then an hour back. And so we were raised by our grandparents during the time that my mom was doing that just because she knew it was going to be important. Um, you know, just seeing how dedicated she was to her schooling and to becoming a teacher uh, really impacted mm -hmm. me the same. So growing up when she got her own classroom, uh, my brother, sister, and I were always in her classroom visiting her. And so cool. we got to see firsthand experience uh, before we figured out what we wanted to do. Uh, so it was a great introduction for myself. And clearly your mom loved what she did. Oh, yeah. To oh, keep for sure. you wanting to do it. 
Oh yeah, sure. I mean, amongst different, you know, reasons that I, I did it for myself too, but uh, she was a huge inspiration, of course, just because I saw firsthand her, how happy she was. She just retired this last year, with 30 years um, in the public school system. So, um, and she was teaching sixth grade for a couple of years and special education for the majority of it. So uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of what I did was truly because of where she got started. How inspiring. Joel, I Thank love you. that. Thank you so much. And Amanda, what about you? And I apologize. Amanda's last name is Petro, not Petro. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. It's I all good. Phonetic. I messed it up. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so I think I decided when I was in high school, but somewhere along the line growing up, I always knew that like I wanted to be the first woman something <laughs> for a while. It was an astronaut. <laughs> and then I wanted to be the first woman president. Um, and then that evolved, but I just always wanted to make a difference. And it, I went through a couple different ideas and wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And from doing music and doing band and seeing how much that impacted me individually, I felt that, you know, if I followed that and I was a band director, I would have that opportunity to make that sort of difference in other students' lives and my own students' mm -hmm. lives and in the future. So I decided to follow that and go into education with music. And now I'm here. That's fantastic. I am curious if, um, Joel, going back to you with your mom being in education for 30 plus years and now you in education. So does she, do you guys ever have conversations about the changes of the role of the teacher over the past, oh, you know, few decades? You know, what a great question. And, and I'll tell you that that's a question that I think all educators probably have with themselves. Um, with, you know, new teachers coming in, speaking with veteran teachers, um, certainly in my experience as an administrator too, talking to other administrators to ask the same thing. What changes have you seen that have been positive during your time? What, what would you mm -hmm. definitely accept? Um, I remember um, when I became a teacher and talking to my mom, because she had been a teacher for many years at that time, and saying, you know, you're still happy after this long a period of time. What what has been constant in your life that that has maintained it? And just like Amanda and Lynn have said, what motivated them to be teachers is the the impact that they make on the life of a child. And so that's what mm -hmm. keeps her going. She says sometimes you work with um, terrible administrators, you're going to get some upset parents, and mm -hmm. sometimes things don't go your way. But as long as you have the love in your heart, that's that's something that will always stay the same. And she always said, once it gets to a point where I don't like work students anymore, I'm out. And I'll tell you, I think what's kept her going for all these years is she's like, she just still loves students. So, so it's keeping her going. Kept her oh, going she sounds amazing. And Thank you so much. The theme with all three of you is just that passion that you have to make a difference, mm -hmm. to work with the youth and to just really impact change. All of that is just so, so wonderful to hear. And it does take you from day to day because no two days are exactly the same. You have no idea what's in store tomorrow morning, for example. So mm -hmm. it's just wonderful to hear what motivated you to start your careers mm -hmm. and how thankful I am as somebody who's just, you know, relies so heavily on our teachers to, to take care of our youth. Well, what's just Maybe, as refreshing too. Oh, I was going to say what's just sorry, as refreshing sorry. is that the, the new teachers that we interview for newer positions, that passion is not going away. That, that's something that's mm -hmm. just instilled in people. It's inherent in teachers. It's that with itness that teachers have. And so that's still coming through. So um, that is not lost in the field of education. 
Well, and that, that's a question I would like to ask Lynn. I think Lynn is probably our most veteran teacher as she started teaching right out of college. She right out of college. That, that's why. Um, not that she's older than us at all. I guess she's not. <laughs> uh, but Lynn, what um, do you still feel the same passion for education as you did as a spry 22-year-old? Uh, I would say it's changed a little bit. And so um, I think definitely um, I had a lot of, um, I, I was thrilled to be a teacher finally, have my own classroom, have my own students. And then I got, you know, three, four combo my first two years and it was amazing. And um, I have a different sort of uh, drive now, like different things push me because I've taught almost everything and um, I like new challenges. Um, and so I find that when I feel stagnant or unhappy, I transfer. And so mm-hmm. I am blessed to work in a district that has transfer rights for teachers. And so um, I've been able to, you know, if I get in a rut, because you get in ruts when you're teaching and it's the same thing day after day, year after year, and it's just a new group of kids, And but you need a challenge or a change. Um, and so that's what I do is I find what my next conquest is gonna be. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's great. Um, I remember when I was uh, teaching in the actual brick and mortar classroom, I was in a Title I school, so a very low income area. Um, my students, I, I was teaching fifth grade and I had 36 kids, so it was a very crowded room. But um, out of all my 36 kids, I think only four of them had both parents at home. So it was a very, I mean, most of my kids had, they were either living with a grandparent, they had parents in prison. I mean, it was a very rough um, go about things. And I had one student actually one year that was on house arrest for, he was a convicted felon at, you know, 12 years old. I, there, there's a lot that um, we had to deal with, with that socioeconomic group. And I remember I was, my, my, I was newly married and I was at a work function for my husband and somebody was asking me, you know, about my job. And I was just kind of just very glib about what I do and who I dealt with. And this man looked at my husband and he said, how do you let her go to work every day? Like, he was like, it was because it was a little bit, there were scary situations that we would deal with. And um, I said, oh, it's, I'm not ever scared to be at work. But then his wife looked at me, she goes, but how do you keep doing it? What keeps you motivated when you see that, you know, what you see, what you're dealing with. And so it is, it, I think it takes a very special person to keep doing it day in and day out. I burnt out. I, I that is why I'm now doing um, what we're doing with advantages. You know, I'm not in the day-to-day. Um, I needed a change, just like how Lynn transitions and goes to different um, schools or different age groups or different settings. Um, I had to remove myself because it did start to drag me down when I had my own children. Um, so I, I'm just curious, you know, Amanda, is that something that you think about? I mean, you're very young and you're just starting. Do you have, do you think about, you know, how to combat burnout because it will happen. It happens. I think we all go through ebbs and flows of it all. Um, do you have, you know, is that something that they talked about in your teacher education program nowadays? Oh, yeah. It's something that, especially um, for music education, it's a big mm-hmm. thing right now, especially coming out of COVID. And just in the past few years, it's been more of a um, definitely a hot topic for music educators and band directors in particular. Um, So it's something that's always talked about at our conventions. It's something that we talked about in college, like during student teaching and going into like our follow-up class. And um, 
It's something that I think about a lot because I've been doing, you know, most band directors started in fifth grade and we've been doing this whole thing and now we're still doing right. it and everything. So it kind of, you get into a point where you're like, is this like, I've been doing band just like air quotes, just band for my whole life. And how do mm -hmm. I, how do I feel about that? And you can really get into like, dig yourself into a hole with that. So yeah, I definitely think about it. Um, okay. But um, I think kind of what, you know, what we've been saying, just finding new ways to, to approach each day and approach each class um, kind of keeps it, you know, fun and interesting, especially for me being so young and going into year three, I feel like my third year is going to be a totally, you know, each year has started totally different and each year has gone totally different so far. Um, so that, that's already kind of been done for me, which is nice, but um, I definitely actively find ways to, to approach it differently too, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that, that absolutely does. I love that it's discussed openly. Yeah. And one of the best much. things that I remember from my like last year of college, um, like sitting in our senior seminar class is what we called it. It was very open. And we were, our, I had a wonderful professor um, and he just said, you know, anything that you felt during your student teaching, anything you felt during your whole um, degree path, now is the time to just say whatever it is. And we're here to support you. And we're here to be open and listen and I think without that experience and having experienced that at some point before getting in a classroom, I think I would probably feel burnt out way faster. <laughs> but knowing mm -hmm. that somewhere along the line already in my career, I have people that I can reach out to and I have this environment that's been created that's safe. Like, I feel way more supported. I, I can't help but to reflect back when I graduated from college and trying to find a job was really tough. And so a lot of my fellow classmates, um, they decided to fall into teaching because there was such a huge need for teachers. Now, the one element that was missing for so many was that of passion. And so that got harder and harder to stay in a profession where that passion didn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't innate. So it's just something that through the years, like I saw that firsthand where they weren't the best teachers. There was a need, but it you, it has to come from within for you to make an mm -hmm. impact and to have the longevity that all of you display. So it just, it's such a, an amazing uh, testimony to hear your stories because like I said, it's just so critical for our students to mm -hmm. feel like they matter, feel that they are important. And yeah, dinosaurs do exist. And I do have that, <laughs> I wanna know more and, and it's it's not an easy job. And I think more and more of our society has realized this this past 18 months that our teachers are so critical and they do such a, a big job that mm -hmm. we just have to, you know, just be more cognizant. So mm -hmm. just exciting. Yeah, and, um, uh, my daughter is going off to school now and she's majoring in biology. And I, I asked her a lot, like, what are you gonna do with that? And she said, Mom, I can always teach. And I said, it's not a default job like you. It's not something you just do because you don't really have any other options. Because of what Sandy said, if you don't really have it in you and you don't have a desire to teach and make a difference and, and you know, be involved with these kids, you won't stay in it and you'll have wasted mm -mm. your credential. I mean, it will go to waste because you won't. And so I think that this is really important. You do have to want to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've noticed the role of a teacher has changed tremendously. I was in the classroom, uh, in the brick and mortar classroom for about 10, 12 years. And just in that period of time, there was a big change. But I haven't been in the classroom now for a good few years. Uh, (laughs) But it's crazy the amount of responsibility now that lies on all of you. And so, Joel, as an administrator, how do you keep your teachers motivated and, and help deter the burnout? So that's an excellent question. I mean, that is the the million dollar question that we that we wish that we could answer just to retain teachers. I, I think you know, in just finishing this conversation about the teacher burnout, um, because the teachers are so passionate, they put so much of their heart into it. I think that a lot of reason for teacher burnout is the accountability of, of teachers in particular, educators in general, but teachers in particular is so high. I mean, they're hearing it from their principal at the very local level, they're hearing it from their school districts, they're hearing it from their direct communities, and then they're hearing it from the nation. And so there are, there are all these demands and pressures uh, for accountability to be good and be better and to raise scores. Um, while Allison, what you said is absolutely very true. Teachers aren't just teachers. They, they're not just content masters. There is so much. As a matter of fact, there is uh, an author named um, Jamie Fulmer. He wrote a book called Schools Cannot Do It Alone. Um, and what's really great about this is that he, um, he started a list. And, he, and he'll talk about this. He started a list that says, this is the responsibilities of teachers when, when education started. So he made a list and it fit on a sheet of paper. And he was overwhelmed by how many responsibilities um, teachers had during that time. He's like, whoa, even at the beginning of of, uh, of um, education, teachers weren't just teachers. They were preparing students for going to the workforce there to support their families at home, maybe working on the farm with vocational jobs. Since then, he says every year he looks at this list and he adds to it and hopefully takes away. He says that he has never taken anything away, but it's continuously added. And at this point, it is folded into like a three-way document. It's so long. Teachers are social workers, they are surrogate parents, they take care of the kids before and after school. And so there's just all these demands. And so when you're asking the million dollar question about how do we motivate teachers and retain them and keep them in the field, it really has to be about helping teachers like shut off that that, that saboteur that comes in, whether it's like internal or the external critics of um, how teachers could be better because we know that the teachers that we have here are incredible. We don't have this national um, epidemic of terrible teachers that like we, we hire just these terrible people. We have to at some point say, the system is, is designed in a way to burn teachers out if we're not gonna support these teachers. So the more that we can do as administrators at the very local level and say, hey, we're on the ground with you. We are at the site level with you. Like we're sharing the same students and families. What resources do you need? How can we love you up? Like, what, what do you need to be able to disconnect and feel great about what you're doing? Um, that, that is the job of an administrator to keep the teacher. Do they discuss that in your admin programming as you're getting so, your admin credential? Yep, absolutely. As a, as a matter of fact, I think that there's something to be said about all teacher preparedness programs. They talk about burnout. They talk about um, levels of support and teacher retention. I think there's no, it's not, not a surprise that most teachers leave okay. within the first five years um, because of this burnout. Mm-hmm. I think we've all learned that from school at some point. Um, so yeah, it, in administrator preparedness programs and just life experience, we know that, the, that teachers will work for principals who support them. Just like mm-hmm. students will work for teachers who support them. And so 
we, and their we, dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And their dreams, right? When we realize that dinosaurs are real, things happen. <laughs> now, but I love that in your, uh, Joel, I wish all administrators can have that same mm-hmm. philosophy every day because I just, you know, we all learn so much from positive feedback that way as well. And with Amanda's program, I love that they were so forthcoming with, okay, these are the shortcomings and how do we get through that? So since all three of you have been in the profession for years, um, Amanda, a couple years, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what keeps you going on one of those hard days? Like what, what's your go-to? What, how, how do you, how do you do that? How do you stay motivated? Okay. Um, Well, some really good advice that I got um, my first year of teaching a long time ago, the head of HR, we had like an orientation and he said, you need to find your people and you need to have a watering hole. And so my first two years of teaching, I had this fantastic group. We were all brand new teachers and we met every other Friday at El Torito. And it was just our, it was just our place. And, um, that helped us so much because we were all going through the exact same things. We were young 20 somethings and we were in a very um, difficult school. And so you have to find your people. And so when I said earlier, if I, if I'm in a a rut, I I change jobs. So that's the first thing I do is I need to establish people. Who do I go to for this and that? And so you just have to find your tribe because they're the ones who are going to pump you up when you need it and you're going to do the same for them. Um, and I think that that is really, really important because this job is not one that you clock out at 2.30. You take it home with you and you perseverate on it and you stay awake at night thinking about these kids and what you could have done differently. So you don't take it, you take it home with you. And there are a lot of jobs where you walk out the door and you don't think about it till the next morning, but this is not one of them. So you have to have a tribe. Thank you. And I think in this day and age, that was never discussed during my teacher training, during my programming, during my early years. None of that was. But I think our world has become much more open to mental health and um, self-love and just taking care of yourself. That I, I think that's really important. And I'm really glad, Lynn, that you got that advice um, a few years ago to help you throughout your career. Um, and Amanda, now that it's a part of the teacher, teacher program, I think that's that's fantastic because it is, regardless of what your profession, I think it's very important. Along with creating this podcast, one of my goals for 2021 was to take one day a month to have a me day, just to go get a massage, get a pedicure, whatever it happens to be. Haven't been perfect with that, but I'm trying, you know, I, I am trying, but we also support other people as they sometimes just need a day you know we just we do we just need some time Amanda what about you what do you do to get through those hard days what what motivates you it keeps you going um honestly it's the students (laughs) um I think about them especially um down in Texas usually you have three to five band directors so we have we're really fortunate we have a team of four directors um And so I work primarily with like the young kids, like the freshmen and everything. So even though that can be its own challenge in the band program and we're all have to, you know, we put together our marching show and everyone's performing the same thing. um, Just remember that can in itself be the challenge, but remembering where I can help my students to get. And if we just take a breath and take a moment together (laughs) and come back the next day, you know, refreshed, um, 
and just like step back, try it at a new angle. Um, that helps me a lot. I don't think I necessarily, when stuff gets tricky for me, I don't necessarily step away from it. I think I lean into it more and I try to find a new angle on how can I work through this and how can I show up as my best version of myself for my students? Um, I will, uh, something that I decided before I graduated was that I'm never going to ask my students to do something that I wouldn't try to do myself. Um, And so if I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't expect myself to go through a really hard day and then still, you know, come back and not be impacted by that at all. We're all going to, we're all human. We're going to come back the next day and we all share that experience. So we all need to take a second and I need to model that for them and like take a breath and show them that, Hey, that's okay that we all experience that, but let's work through it together. I think knowing that I get to be, I get to be there for my students the next day helps me get through the hard parts. That just gave me goosebumps. You're, you are a fantastic teacher. I love that support and that modeling that you do because one of my children is a perfectionist and she will never let her teachers see her stress. You know, it's, she puts that pressure on herself and it's, I keep having to tell her, you know, it's okay to not have an A. It's okay to just take a break. It's okay if it's not perfect, but to have you as the teacher modeling that for them, just saying, yeah, this is life. Let's all breathe together. Let's just take a moment. Yeah, this sucks. And that's okay to say that it sucks sometimes. And so I just, I applaud you for being so real. I mean, that those are the life lessons that really matter to the kids. And so just kudos to you for being awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Joel, you have a different um, role when you're having a crappy day and things are hard for you. You still have a staff of 50 some odd people looking at you. You can't ever, you know, let that down. You know, you are, you're there, you're their leader. So how do you go about handling the bad days? I think um, I, so you're absolutely right. I'll tell you one thing that I learned about being a principal is um, that eyes are all on you. So I, I set the stage and, you know, I feel very responsible for that walking in the building. I set the stage to my mood. Um, if, if I'm hurrying around feeling really anxious and excited, then the staff is going to think there might be something up too. And they might, yeah. they might start talking or feel that way too. So I, I'm always very cognizant about the way that I carry myself. Um, I think I was fortunate enough just to be like generally optimistic and happy almost all the time. Um, even in, in times of crises, I can notice that like I get to a place where my mind shuts everything off and I just focus on that one thing enough just to stay pretty level-headed. Um, I'd like to think so anyway. And so um, when things like that happen, you know, if there, if there is a time that I really need to myself, because I'm focusing on something, I need to make a fast decision that's going to really impact the students or the school um, in a pretty big way, I'll go behind closed mm-hmm. doors. And that's a luxury that okay. administrators have that really teachers don't. And I can make some phone calls or I can step away or I can step off campus and make a phone call or do a quick meeting. Um, but, but for the majority of the time, um, it's important for administrators to really keep like level-headed. Um, otherwise that, that can just like being all over the place with moods and, and everything in a public setting, like a school could mm-hmm. really deter an entire day for, for a group of people, whether it's students or, or, uh, staff members. Um, I will tell you, I've had a time where I was doing, I think lunch duty or something. I was in the cafeteria and something must've been on my mind. Um, and I remember very vividly a student came up and said, hey, is everything okay? Because you're not smiling today. And that that meant the world to me because I came out of whatever I was thinking about. I'm like, 
oh, sweetheart, no, everything's fine. I hope you're having a great day. And from then on, I said, I am not thinking about things like this during, you know, times that I should be with students. And so now I make sure that I'm surrounding myself and that I'm very present where I am. Um, It's important. And it's important. I've seen teachers do the same thing, just like Amanda uh, says that she models her expectations and her mood and expectations and things like that in her classroom around her students. Uh, we, We do the same. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what advice would you guys have for somebody out there listening who is interested in becoming a teacher? Would you, I remember I was with, oh, this is kind of a funny story. I was with a friend of mine who is in, in education and we were talking with a college student and the college student had said that she wanted to get into teaching. And the person I was with was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Find something else. Find a different passion. And I was so mad. I'm like, how do you, how can you do that to a person? You Because I love education. I love working with kids. I love the idea of molding the future. And this was a person who was in education saying that. I'm like, how, you know, what, what do you, what do you say? What, are you going to tell these kids not to do it? Do you tell them, wait, what, what is your advice? Let's go ahead, Lynn. Let's start with you. Um, well, I was lucky because, oh, I always wanted to be a teacher, but um, at the college that I went to, I, there was a place called Community Action Volunteers in Education, and you could sign up for units to volunteer. And so every semester I did that. And so I worked in a lot of different rooms. And I think that's what you need to do. If you think you're interested, volunteer, because short of having a prison record, you could volunteer in any school. So um, if you just go introduce yourself, say, I'd like to read to the kids, I'd like to play um, PE with them or whatever, but you need to get in and see what it is that you like about it. And you need to talk to teachers because you want to make sure that if you do go into teaching, you're joining a staff where it's people that you want to be surrounded by. So I would say immerse yourself, volunteer, and make sure that that's something you want to do. There are lots of opportunities and at every grade level, level and in every um, facet, band, special ed, everything. Put yourself in the system. Make sure you like it. I think that's really good advice. And the the person I was with should have prefaced it with that. Just make sure it's what you want to do before you give up on your dream. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda, what about you? As as our newest teacher on the panel, um, you still have, you're not jaded at all. You know, you're, you're still relatively fresh and excited and motivated. I loved it when my students, my children got new teachers because they had that excitement and that passion. What, from your perspective as, as a newer teacher, what would your advice be? Um, I, two things. <laughs> the first one is be open-minded um, to whatever environment you're stepping into and be open-minded to step into maybe an uncomfortable environment. You know, I'm from the Midwest and now I'm teaching down in Texas. <laughs> and so, you know, the reverse can happen too. Grow up somewhere else, be open. If there's an opportunity that sounds interesting to you and you wanna go learn about it, be open to it. Don't box mm-hmm. yourself in too early because then you'll get to a job and you'll get to a school and you'll meet the community and you'll meet the people and it, it might not be what you thought. And if you boxed yourself in and had this really rigid expectation, you might make yourself really unhappy really fast. Mm. But if you didn't do that, it could be something even better than you ever expected. So that would be that would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be try, especially for speaking from the music perspective, find ways to keep 
your passion for your art alive. Um, and I'm sure Ooh. you can say that for other subjects as well, but I know that's um, especially difficult for music educators. Once we get into, you know, when you're in your degree, you're practicing for hours a day and you're in ensembles and you're performing and we go through band performing and then we decide to teach it and then you don't get to perform. And it's, it's a totally different side of the passion that you've had your whole life. And so finding ways to perform, whether that's, you know, performing with your students in class, performing, you know, doing little groups, um, little like chamber ensembles with, with them, finding a local um, community band or another group or starting a group or anything like that, just finding ways to stay curious. Because I think if, if you can stay curious, you're going to continue to learn and that's only going to make you a better teacher for your students. So powerful. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And just like with Joel, he, he's continuing with his, you know, continuing his learning and his passion by reading. I mean, he shared that book with us earlier today. We'll put the link up for our listeners. Um, Joel, uh, schools cannot do it alone. Who is the author yeah. of that? Jamie Volmer. Jamie Volmer. Okay. We'll put that link up for people as well. Cause I think that sounds like a really good one for us to take a look at. But just like what Amanda is saying, it's important to keep your your own motivation going. And and I do that a lot by reading as well. I, I read quite a few books in leadership and um, that sort of thing. And um, so, Joel, what about you? What what would your advice be to yeah, somebody along, interested? Along those lines, just like what everyone's been saying, we are in the field of education. So we, we need to recognize that we ourselves will be lifelong learners in that, that regard. We are learning alongside the students. Um, you know, there, there's many different camps of thought in terms of what it, what it should be to be a teacher. Is it a person who is all knowing and passing down information like these empty minds? Maybe it, it could be, you know, there, there are some people who actually still believe that. Um, but education has moved so far that we recognize the best teacher and the best learning is happening while the teachers are learning at the same time. So to those people who are looking to become teachers and, and maybe they don't feel prepared enough to, to teach students, it's a process. I mean, we, we are conducting mm -hmm. experiments with students all day long. I'm gonna teach this strategy. Is it gonna work? Is it gonna stick? Are they gonna understand this? Oh my gosh, did the kids catch that I totally made a mistake today? You know, like I'm the one that made a mistake. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's a learning process. That, that's the whole purpose. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say for anybody, who is going to become a teacher. Um, if you're a person who loves learning, who like loves going to school, wants to continuously take classes, wants to learn alongside great groups of students, get paid for hanging out with kids and youth and just making a difference. I mean, honestly, we're biased because we're in this position and we've been in it maybe for a long period of time or just a short period of time, but we see the benefits of it. And so we, we don't listen to the outside critics and talking about how terrible teaching is. You know, every job has its, its terrible days or aspects of the job. But when we look past that and say, it's personally challenging and fulfilling, I have opportunities to continue educating myself and, and then imposing what I've learned to groups of people and then getting in forums like this and talking about it, that's pretty unique to the educational field. So mm -hmm. I definitely encourage those people who feel like that go down the route of being a teacher. Yeah, I think at the heart of of education, at the heart of the teaching profession is just that love and passion for education and for kids. Yes, there is so much piled onto your plates nowadays. You are the the, the trifold list that they discussed. That's true. And that can 
really weigh you down. And if you focus on that, but if you are able to focus on the heart of it, you know, you can, you're doing such a great thing. And that's a very Mother Teresa way of life, but it's true. You know, you just can feel really good about what you're doing. And I just, I applaud all three of you for what, what you're doing. And you're all coming from such different, different walks and different, um, different classrooms. You know, it's just, it's very interesting. Um, this might be opening up a can of worms and we might not have enough time to discuss all of this, but I'm curious, um, all, from all of you, actually, from your perspectives, did the teacher program that you went through really prepare you to be an educator? And if yes, why, how? If no, what changes do you think need to be in, in the teacher education program? Curious. I love, I love my teacher preparation program. I loved it. I loved the professors and my classmates. It did not teach me what I needed to know. Your student teaching teaches you what you need to know. And if you don't do that, you will be in real trouble because you cannot learn how to be a teacher sitting in a desk with a book, listening to someone talk to you. Um, so I would say that I really enjoyed it, um, but it wasn't until student teaching that I actually understood what my responsibilities would be. Okay. I would say the exact same thing. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I, you know, we learned so many great tools and we talk about great tools to use and great ideas. And I think that was my favorite part was the classes where we got to share our ideas and say, well, what if we tried this or what if we changed this? And then you go into a classroom and you might get the opportunity to do that. And you might not because you're figuring out something else. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely in student teaching, that's, that's where I learned how to how one way to do all of this. And then once I got into mm -hmm. my job with the years I've been teaching, then we had COVID teaching. So then it, everything was different again. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to trying some things that I haven't been able to try yet just because of the timing. Yeah. Sure. That's good. Joel, what about you? Do you think there needs to be some changes with the teacher, teacher um, education programs? Absolutely. And I don't think that it's a can of worms at all. I think that universities okay. recognize this. I think that, you know, in all levels of education, we know that we could do better or uh, different. And uh, for that, I'll tell you, our school is fortunate enough to uh, partner with a local university here. The, uh, our local university has uh, a new uh, students who started only uh, less than a couple years ago and is coming in with an outside perspective and saying, we really haven't changed the, the syllabus of these courses or um, what we're teaching and standards have changed the way that students learning are changed. Hey, people who are teaching at the university, have you actually been in the schools and vice versa? Have, have people from K-12 schools, have you gone? <laughs> Sorry guys, oh, let me shut my dogs up and then I'll be right back and I'll start over so we can edit some of that. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out, no worries. <laughs> We've had some dog action tonight. We do. <laughs> My dogs are noisy as well. I had to break out the treat bag. Oh. <laughs> that was very smart. Very, yeah, very she's smart. right here next to me I now, like him. staring at me, waiting <laughs> for the next treat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jake, we're going to go ahead and you can edit that part out and we're going to start over again with Joel now. Sorry. Okay, Thanks. go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I, I was saying that we are lucky enough to, to partner with a local university um, at our school who is looking to improve their practice as well. 
And so in talking to the dean, um, he's really trying to encourage more of his faculty from the university to step foot onto campuses, whether it's high school or middle school or elementary, whatever, um, or, or welcome um, practicing teachers and administrators from school sites to the university. Um, just last year, uh, or the year before, I don't remember, all these, the last 17 months have kind of run in together, haven't they, everybody? Um, <laughs> We, we got together with, with the dean and his a couple of representatives just to talk about, um, they brought copies of their syllabus um, for, for a couple of courses. Uh, we talked about the standards that we have and we are kind of cross-referencing things. And so we're already in the, in the midst of at least improving student teaching practices uh, because we know, just like Lynn said, they're the most applicable. Um, that's when the, the pre-service teachers are really getting their hands dirty. And so mm -hmm. uh, we, we, at least at one site, have one unique opportunity to start making this change. Um, and we've seen just this great partnership flourish from it. And so I would encourage anybody who's listening um, who really has some ties to the university or are a teacher and, and really want to make an impact and a change, first of all, partner with your local university or college or teacher preparedness program and see how you can make that impact and, and make that change, be a vocal voice and say, this isn't how we learn anymore, or these are the experiences that really have prepared me uh, to be a better teacher. I think that that's fantastic. I was watching an old rerun of ER, and Amanda, you may not know what that program is, um, but a medical program they, a billion years ago, and they have a teaching hospital. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Why don't we have teaching schools? You know, I thought it would have been a really great way to go through a teacher education program is if you have one school that you go and all the different levels are there and you get to really practice because you're right that what Lynn said, that the student teaching is really like what mattered. The year and a half of education prior to that, sure you learn things, but nothing that was really practical. It's that practicum that makes you who you are as an educator. You know, it just, that was what really made a difference. So it sounds kind of like what Joel's, Joel's school is doing a bit of that, which I love with that, with your university. I just think we need more of that, you know, uh, countrywide. It just, we need the hands-on experiences, what really helps us become great teachers. And I'm hoping through these resources that you all have shared and our stories and our testimony and, and just trying to use more of our online presence to try to implement these opportunities for learning and growing and how to help one another in that teaching profession. Because it can be very lonely when you're in front of a classroom and maybe your administrator isn't as amazing as Joel, you know, or <laughs> not as progressive where you don't have a university where you can lean on those locally. But you, through our internet capabilities, those, those resources are available. So I'm really excited about bridging that and having our listeners being able to truly um, other teachers just help one another. Mm -hmm. Educators are master thieves. I mean, from, from lesson planning <laughs> to big ideas, like we steal ideas from each other all the time. So platforms like this are, are great opportunities for educators to connect throughout the entire country. Uh, so the more that we can continue the conversation, it gets it out there to the public for people who are maybe curious about what's going on behind the scenes of education. And I think that if you sit down and talk with um, any teacher, teachers are excited to talk about what's going on in the classroom, just to say mm -hmm. what you've read on the paper is not what's happening in our school district, not happening in, mm -hmm. behind my 
by four walls. The, what we're doing at our school is phenomenal. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Um, any of our listeners out there, if you would have any suggestions for this teacher panel, anything that you would like to hear them discuss, they are a vault. They have so much to share. I I want to hear about your best day in the classroom and some fun stories about your kids, about summer prep preparedness and what are you doing to get ready for the fall. Um, I think education is on the brink of some changes just because of what's gone on the past 18 months. Your biggest well, biggest cheerleader or biggest roadblock, I think, is the administration and the, the bureaucracy of it all. And who runs that? You know, our, our parents. These parents now have had firsthand experience trying to teach their kids. And I don't know how many Facebook posts or Instagram posts I saw saying, oh, my gosh, teachers deserve a raise. Oh, my gosh, teachers are the real, real heroes. Because what you guys do is so much. And parents now... I think have a true appreciation for each and every one of you. And I think that will be what pushes change and some reform in education. I think obviously everybody believes you, you deserve uh, higher pay, but you also, even more importantly, I feel you need more support and a more, more structure with, or more just support, I guess, um, and resources within the schools and in the classroom, more better funding for our schools. And I, I think now with the parent awareness, I think we might start seeing some real, real change. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping for that. <laughs> well, everybody, I wanna thank you again for a wonderful hour talking with us. You guys truly are experts in your fields and experts in, in education. And we just, we value uh, your contributions to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for your voices and your insight. We're very excited to have you guys. You're muted, Joel. <laughs> Dang, sorry. I was saying thank you, Allison and Sandy, for providing this platform um, just to get word out about great things that we're all doing, at least in our places. And we know there's many other educators out there uh, that are doing just as, as good, if not better, and just great things for their students and districts. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you guys again next month. Enjoy your summer. I want all of you to take some downtime and just really, truly recharge and just enjoy. Just enjoy whatever it is you're doing. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Learning Reimagined. If you're enjoying this podcast, please help us spread the word by clicking the subscribe button or share your favorite episodes with families and friends and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts.